Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. All the adults, this past Friday night was an all-nighter for the youth group. Wow. In other words, they stayed up all night long. How many of us adults wish we went to that? Please raise your hand. No one. So, uh, no one. If you could turn the lights up in here, that would be awesome. Or everybody's going to fall asleep. It is that May morning. There we go. Oh, look at all those handsome and beautiful faces. It is good to be here. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 34. So, we are going through our series called Plugged In. And what we are talking about, we are talking about the authority of Christ. We are talking about the big things Jesus does, that he did and still does today. We talked about the authority with his teaching. We talked about his healing. We talked about how he deals with the demonic and those things that attack our souls. But today we're going to talk about another one. So here's what I love about Jesus. And I was thinking about this while we were worshiping. Jesus was the thermostat in every place he went to. In other words, he dictated the temperature of the atmosphere. No matter what place a person was in, right? A, a thermometer, what? Tells the temperature where someone's at. A thermostat dictates what's going to happen in the room. Amen? So get an uh-huh, right? And everywhere Jesus went... He dictated exactly what will happen. Whether there was much faith, whether there was lack of faith, or there was no faith. And here's what I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you that as we jump into this passage, you do not allow things in your past in your present, or in your mindset to miss what Jesus has planned. Do you hear me? Do not allow any outside forces to miss out what Jesus has already planned in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. God, every time I show up here, I hope I have the same temperament. Because when I see you, I see the same individual that steps into the room and sets the atmosphere for what you are doing. And God, as the pastor of this church, there is so much more you are doing than we even allow ourselves to see. So I ask you, I ask you for a fresh faith. I ask you for a fresh wind. I ask you for fresh fire in each of our souls that we would begin to see clearly who you always are. And in your name we pray, amen. It's what Mark chapter 6 says. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. 
He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So underline that. If you have your Bibles or whatever, highlight, underline. They didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. It's kind of like the Beatles, right? One Direction. I brought my daughter to a One Direction concert in Manhattan, and it was crazy. Jesus saw this huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Let me give you a little background. So Jesus and his disciples were out doing a ministry tour. In other words, they had gone probably a week or two or three weeks just going from town to town, doing the miraculous, but also, and most importantly, teaching on the kingdom of God, saying the kingdom is amongst us. Jesus brought the kingdom, and he is the one that is revealing the Father to all people. And people were saying, give us a sign. Do something to prove that who Jesus is. They would pray for the sick. They would deliver the demonic. And many, many miracles were taking place. Not only with Jesus, through Jesus, but through his disciples. In other words, Jesus took that power in him, and he distributed it among his disciples, and he says, now you go do. It was like a learning lab. And we see this throughout the Gospels. That there were times that Jesus said, now go do what I am doing. It's why we, the church, are commanded not asked, it's not a request. We are commanded to go into all the world and make disciples, preaching and teaching, revealing the kingdom of God by allowing God, the supernatural God, to invade our world. And so they regathered, and they were excited, and they wanted to talk about it. But at the same time, something happened. John the Baptist was beheaded. And so you have these two different emotions. In the chapter before, you have two different things going on. Jesus wanted to get along with his disciples to celebrate all that was happening amongst them, but they were also mourning the loss of someone they loved very much. Some of the disciples were first John the Baptist's disciples, and now they were all together because John said, go follow him now. John had no ego. His whole goal was to celebrate Jesus. And so Jesus was like, let's go. Let's go rest. Let's get away from the crowds. Some of you know that our, that our favorite place in the world for Sue and I, let's see if you all remember Susan Mine's favorite place in the world. Where is it? Anyone know? Well, okay, everyone knows way too much about our lives, right? How awesome is that? Every time we go to Vermont, we are pulling a Jesus in the disciples. We're going to rest. We have one little town. We go to the same coffee shops all the time. We go to the same four restaurants, and we walk in, and we know people there because that's our space to just breathe. And people are like, you're really boring. It's okay to be boring because Jersey is way too exciting, right? And so we go. We go when we celebrate. We go when we're exhausted. 
And sometimes we even go when we're just burdened. And Jesus has all these feelings. I'm excited, but I'm burdened, and I'm dealing with loss. And so when they're getting away, you can just see them, like, exhausted, and they're pulling up, and the crowds are running to them, and they're like, seriously, Jesus, can you please just make them all go away? Do something? And it's so interesting when you look at this passage, because there's a word in Greek called compassion. And when Jesus looks upon the people, he has compassion. But here's what's interesting about this word, compassion. It's a word that's only used in reference to Jesus. It's never used in the New Testament. This Greek word of compassion, this is how deep this word compassion is. It's, it's part of God's character. Looking on them and seeing the burdens that it weighed him down. That it was more than, this is where you see the, that whole mixture, the tension between fully God and fully man, because if it was in his humanness, the author would have used a different word. But here was a moment of divinity where he looked on them and he saw lostness. He saw brokenness. He saw people that were like sheep without a shepherd. What about that child who, who gets lost at the amusement park? And they are crying so hard. Where's my mommy? Where's my daddy? And everyone doesn't know what to do. They're afraid to, they're afraid to help this kid now, right? In this day of age, they're terrified that if they help this child, that, that something's going to happen to them. But there's this, this pain that that child has that the only one that could ever fill that void is a parent. And Jesus looks on the crowd and he sees the deep pain of humanity, this deep pain of humanity. And he has compassion. You see, we've been talking about Kairos moments, divine moments when God shows up. And God steps into our lives. And I'm telling you this, every single one of us, including myself, God shows up every single day. The question is, do we recognize it? And too often we are so busy and so consumed with everything that, that we want to achieve that we miss out, that, that God is watching us. He's calling us. He's knocking. I love what I read this morning in my own personal devotional time. John 14, 1 through 14. And at the very end, Jesus says, ask anything in my name. And I will give it to you to bring glory to the Father. I read that this morning. I'm like, Jesus, do your work in this church. Supersede any expectation I have. And there's this divine moment that Jesus knew, like, I have to step in. I am called to step in no matter how tired, no matter how tired they are. We need to step in and bring change and help and movement to all of these people. And you know right, right now, Peter didn't like it. John went along with it. Judas wanted to see if he could charge for admission. And you could see all the different emotions going on with these disciples. Like, seriously, Jesus, we just got done with like a three-week stint of doing ministry. We need rest. Nathaniel's exhausted. He's sad. His mentor's gone. 
But there's a divine moment in our lives at times that we need to be so ready for that no matter how tired, how exhausted we are, that we're willing to step into. Again, bring it back to Vermont. There's a family in Vermont that Sue and I love deeply. They aren't Christians, they're part of another faith. They lost a loved one. I was invited to do the funeral of that loved one. And there are times that we have gone to Vermont and we are exhausted and we don't wanna spend time with anyone but one another, but the Holy Spirit's like, you need to meet with them. You need to meet with them. I'm like, but, but can't we just do it next time? Can't we just, next time we go up there, we promise God, we promise God, fingers crossed, right? We promise God we will show up and love on them. But there are times that even in our exhaustion, God wants to show up to do the divine in you and through you. And there's nothing more fun than when God shows up to do the divine in you and through you. And it always happens when you least expect it. Can I get a Jersey amen? I'm serious. When you least expect it. Verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Let's give Jesus lots of excuses. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. Huh? That's not how this works. You feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. So they came back and reported. We have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the, the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. So they all ate as much as they, everybody say, wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Hmm. If we were thinking about Jersey families, this would be about 15,000 people, right? A household, right? Maybe, maybe a little bit more, but how, what's the average household, right? 2.5 2 kids, you clearly can't do the 0.5. That doesn't really work, right? So we're probably about 20,000 people. Now think about ancient times. How big were their families? Like 100 kids. So think about like 5,000 times 10. 5,000 times 8. 5,000 times 7. 5,000 times 6. 5,000 times 5. There were probably over 25,000 people. And Jesus says, you take care of them. You see, here is where the disciples were at. They were hangry. Have we ever been hangry before? Hangry means that in our hunger, we are pushed into a place of being angry. And I don't know about you, I don't get angry often, but I can get very hangry. And I become a different person. My voice goes deeper, my eyes start bulging out of my head, and I start talking crazy. 
And this is where the disciples were at. They were hangry. They were tired. They were exhausted. And as we see in the very beginning of verse 30, that they had not eaten in a while. In other words, they did not have enough for themselves. They had a portion to get them through the day, but that was it. And Jesus said, you feed them. And they say, with what? We'd, ha we'd have to work months. We collectively would have to work months. So if there was 12 of them times months, three months, this was probably well over a year's salary worth of food. It's like a wedding, right? It's like a wedding. It's more like a Jersey wedding, let's say that. It's not a Pennsylvania wedding. It's not a Nebraska wedding. It's like a Jersey wedding cost. It's expensive. And he said, you feed them. And here's what happens. Too often when we are tired and exhausted, we forget God's supernatural abilities to step into our lives. Too often when we are frustrated, when we are angry, we forget how God has done the impossible. I hope that if I would ask each one of you and say, when has God done the impossible? We would all be able to look back and see how God has done the impossible in each of our lives. Do you recognize how God does the impossible? And how God wants to continue to do the impossible. But like the disciples, we too often allow our emotions and everything around us to block the work of God. I've been saying this more than ever in 1 Corinthians 4.4. It says that, that, this, that Satan's number one goal is to blind the minds of humanity. Do you hear me? Satan's number one goal is to blind the minds of humanity. And the second goal is this, to oppose the work of God in your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, all he wants to do is oppose the work of God in your life so you would begin to act like the disciples are acting in this place. He says, you feed them. Only bring what you have. Do you hear what I just said? Only bring what you have. And they say, okay, we're going to disappoint Jesus. And if we disappoint Jesus, we're going to disappoint God. That's a bad day. And they gathered it. They laid it at his feet. And Jesus went into leadership mode. He said, break up all the people in groups of 50 and 100. Very Moses-like. Very Moses-like. And he breaks up all the people in 50 to 100. And this is what Jesus would have prayed. Because Jesus was a good Jewish man. He would have stood in front of the crowd and he would have put his hands out. And this is what he would have prayed, the prayer from the Mishnah, the prayer for bread. 
Blessed art thou, eternal God our Father, King of the universe, who causes bread to come forth from the earth. Blessed is he that wrought miracles for our fathers in this place. And he would have prayed that prayer. And all of a sudden, they just started distributing and distributing and distributing. Didn't say they tore it or cut it up. They just distributed it. And bread showed up. And fish showed up. The more he handed, the more came. Supernaturally appeared. And what you read is modern and liberal scholars tried to dispel miracles. Well, they had some in their back pocket. There's actually one thing that says that actually that there was a cave. This is what one liberal theologian says. There was a cave that they prepared for this miracle. And they had a couple of disciples just kind of throwing the bread and the fish to the other disciples to kind of be a, a big gimmick. Like literally, this is, this is how people write. When people don't want to believe in Jesus, they try to dispel him in some of the most, I'll use the word, idiotic way. But Jesus just sat there handing out bread. And the more he handed out, more showed up supernaturally. You see, we see this all throughout the scriptures. We see this in the Old Testament. Moses feeding by God dropping down manna. Where do you think this prayer came from? As God brought manna from the earth. Well, what about with the, with, with the birds? When the people got sick of the bread, what did God say? Okay, well, you know what? I'll give them meat. I'll give them bread. What about Elisha? We forget that God did, did this all throughout scripture. That there was a bag of grain. And he had to feed a hundred people with one bag and five loaves. And Elijah prayed over the bag and he prayed over the bread. As a matter of fact, there was 12 loaves, forgive me. And as people came to the door, the bread just supernaturally appeared. And the bag never went empty. What about all the miraculous that, that, that God did? Splitting the seeds. Water coming from the rock. Not once, but twice. Even in Moses' disobedience, Water still came from the rock. Why? Because you don't determine miracles. I don't determine miracles. God determines the miracles that he has already established in heaven that he wants to manifest on this earth. How cool is that? He knows things about you that you don't even realize what you actually need. And he's already has it in his storehouse. So what are miracles? You see, healing is when God touches a body, a broken body, and supernaturally heals, restores, makes new, makes right, makes best, that cannot be, that cannot be explained away by doctors. I love that. I love when people have real miracles, the doctors say, there's nothing else to say. I, I can't give you. All I know is that what was there is no longer there. What was broken is now restored. And God still does this. He does this in our church. He does this throughout the world. But here's what a miracle is. A miracle is a divine act of God. A direct intervention by God. God induced. And we are the recipients of his grace. A miracle is when, when God does something that, that you have no control over. 
Miracles are unexplainable. They do not humanly make sense nor fit into logic. But yet, it reveals who God is and what you cannot do. Miracles happen at the very moment a person needs it more than anything else. You ever notice that? I always say that God is a 12th hour God. That's, that's a fun, that's really fun. I love that. At the very last minute, I'm saying that sarcastically. It's like, I know it's supposed to happen. God, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't happen until the very last minute when I am completely in dependency upon him. Miracles happen with the purpose of God revealing himself to draw, build, and woo humanity into a relationship with him. Miracles are a display of God's omnipotence, his all-powerful character. Because there are times that we are limited and we are out of control. God saw the need of the people. Jesus saw the need of the people. And Jesus' heart was so filled with compassion that he allowed the Spirit of God to intervene in a divine way that shaped and changed the moment right there and then. But who is this miracle for? I will say this, the vast majority of people had no idea what just happened. The vast majority didn't walk away like, wow, Jesus, he totally, he totally did another miracle. I mean, think how far the crowd went back. If there was only 15,000 people, went back and back and back. But let's say there's 25,000. This miracle wasn't for the crowd. This miracle was for the disciples. This miracle was for the disciples. And Jesus is saying, let me reveal myself to you as I look at this broken world and how I want to intervene and you be a part of it even when you don't have faith. I mean, think about how many baskets were left over. You see, there's two words for baskets that when we read it, when we read the Greek and we read in the Gospels, Jesus doing this because he did this on one, more than one occasion. The first word of basket is these, these massive baskets that, that literally just sit in your house and, and store things. But the word basket here was 12 baskets that were the size of a lunchbox. Remember back in the day when we would bring those steel lunchboxes, those metal lunchboxes, the Scooby-Doo, right? Scooby-Doo, right? How many of you got a Scooby-Doo one, right? Lone Ranger, right? We all had our favorite lunchbox, right? Right? They were baskets, and they collected the 12 baskets here, 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 here. Jesus provides for our needs. When we engage with him to do the supernatural work, not only in our lives, but through our lives, so that the world can see that Jesus loves them and cares for them. Have you ever, has your heart ever burdened so bad for an individual that literally, like, I'll do anything? And you, know, you know what Paul says, the Apostle Paul? He says, I'm willing to give up my salvation. 
I'm willing to give up eternity so everybody else here can have it instead of me. That's a burning desire. Have you ever known someone who, who's had a need so bad that he said, you know what, even though I am struggling financially, I am going to step in and I'm going to help you out. Have you ever seen someone who, who needed a place to stay and you just said, you know what, I'm going to open my doors. What about that person who, who, who needs a car and you have like 12 of them in your parking lot and you're waiting for one till your kid gets home so they can drive it around. And God's saying, give them the car. Give them the car. God does the supernatural. He does it without you, but he wants to do it with you. Who was this miracle for? It was for the disciples. They were tired. They were exhausted. They were hangry. They were sad. And Jesus says, my work is never done. You're about to rest. But before you rest, let God do his biggest work yet. How true that is. When we are most exhausted, that's usually when we allow and see God's best work. So how do I wrap this up? How do, we, how do we know when the miraculous occurs? When intervention takes place that is unexplainable and impossible for us to understand. How do we know? When we cannot explain away what just happened. Two, you are part of the miraculous. You are part of the miraculous. We planned these sermon series out eight months ago. And as Pastor Andrew and I were really processing this passage, I'm like, wow, talk about God's perfect timing. Perfect timing. And this is not a ploy. This is exactly perfect timing. We were a young church. We were a new church. 28 people went down to 16 people. And now we're a church of over 500 people. We met in a little church that gave us limited ability to be there. We then go to the middle school, and we worked around the middle school. There was no property in town for us to buy, and God supernaturally opened the door for this place. We were a young congregation of people of faith, and God used that congregation to begin to purchase this building. May 17th, we go before the town to bring all of our plans, to get them all approved. And if we get them approved, we need to move forward. And we're not there yet financially. We're not there financially. And this is not a financial ploy. This is a re reality that we are at. Do you realize that God is up to more in this church than you even see on a Sunday morning? And God's saying, you're part of this. You're part of this. You want to see the miracle happen? Bring what you got. Don't bring more than what you got. Just bring what you got. Let's see the miraculous as a church family happen here in Mawa, New Jersey. So that way when we plant other churches and they're in the same place and they're thinking like, what do we have to do? Refinance? What are we going to have to do? What do we have to do? We say, no, no, no. We pray and we bring all we got. That's the miraculous. 
I'm challenging you. I get it. I'm in big transitions. And God said to me, just bring what you got. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. God is setting you up for miracles every single day. Chris just got a new job. Had no idea how this was going to play out. And God showed up. Chris, you need to be ready every single day for God to show up to do the miraculous in you and through you to the people that he wants you to reach. How awesome is that? And all you need to do is show up. All you need to do is show up. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. When you stand before the Father, one day we're going to all pass away and we're going to stand before God and all you want to hear is, well done. You did only what I asked. Don't do more. Don't do less. Don't miss out. Kingdom come. Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But even more importantly, begin to recognize the unmiraculous miracles around you. What did Jesus pray? The prayer that he taught his disciples, he said, give us today our daily bread. How many of you had breakfast this morning? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you purposely did not have breakfast this morning? Raise your hand. Right? Right? You had a choice. You had a choice. You opened your refrigerator and said, wow, I have half a dozen eggs. I got some yogurt. I got some fruit. There's some bananas. But I don't know if I want one of those this morning before church. Whatever it is. But God provides. Unless you are fasting today, we will all eat. Do I get an amen? Every time you put food in your mouth, you are seeing the miracle of God. Don't allow yourself to miss the miracles that you experience every day. Plant family, I'm telling you this. I have to grab my communion cup. God's doing miracles all the time. And I know in my life, and I know in the life of this church, that he is not going to stop doing them. Here's my question to you. Are you willing to be part of his miraculous work? Because the more you allow yourself to be part of the miraculous work, the miracles come even faster. I'm serious. I'm serious. I see it all the time. Right now in our church, I have heard more miracle stories, both big and small, than I've ever heard. Lives changed. God stepping in and doing things that people were unable to do for themselves looking at our church family to say that we have a church home, we survived during COVID, we have two different locations that are growing and beginning to really thrive, God's up to the miraculous. You want to hear miraculous stories? Go to one of the groups. Tuesday morning men, God's changing lives. Tuesday evening women's, God's changing lives. 
the unbalanced group that took place, God's changing lives, the marriage group that's taking place, that took place, God's changing lives, care group, God's changing lives, Friday night group, God's changing lives. What would happen if we, as the body of Christ, began to set the temperature for God to do the miraculous? Start being the thermostat and trusting that Jesus wants to do more than you could ever hope, dream, or or imagine. And that one thing that you think God can't do, you need to renounce it. You need to renounce it. God, forgive me for not believing. Fill in the gap. Holy Spirit, fill me to know that you can do all things. Man, I can't wait to look back on my life and see all the miracles. Because I haven't even begun to see all that he's going to do. When Jesus invited his disciples to take communion, he was saying, plug in. Plug in. Let me do the best in your life for the reasons I created you. To be in relationship with him and to be an invitation for others. That's the gospel message. Let's eat together. Let's drink together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.